Psalm 119, starting in verse 81. Uh, does anybody, I hope we still have some handouts in the back, do we? Yeah. So if anybody needs a handout, um, see the uh, handout person back there, Melissa, and the sound person. <laughs> okay. There's Brother Patrick. I thought you were gone tonight or something. Okay. Huh? I just didn't see you. I didn't know where you were. <laughs> okay. Glad to see you, Brother. Okay, verse 81. My soul fainteth for thy salvation, but I hope in thy word. Mine eyes fail for thy word, saying, When wilt thou comfort me? For I am become like a bottle in the smoke, yet do I not forget thy statutes. How many are the days of thy servant? When wilt thou execute judgment on them that persecute me? The proud have digged pits for me, which are not after thy law. All thy commandments are faithful. They persecute me wrongfully. Help thou me. They had almost consumed me upon earth, but I forsook not thy precepts. Quicken me after thy loving kindness, so shall I keep the testimony of thy mouth. So in uh, your handout uh, for Psalm 119, verse 81 through 88, we're on the last page and the last bullet, which is uh, unseen life. The blanks are unseen life. So uh, Psalm 119, verse 88, quicken me after thy loving kindness, so shall I keep the testimony of thy mouth. And uh, so I have some thoughts uh, about that before we get started, and that's just that uh, our life in all ways comes from God, and it's by his loving kindness. So uh, our life in all ways, we certainly thank God for salvation and forgiveness and all that, but in all ways, I mean, the fact that every one of us are sitting in this room and drawing breath, that's the grace of God. And it always will be. So I have some thoughts about that. Um, if, you, if you'd like to take notes, uh, the, the first thought about that is that from creation to sustaining life. And that's in Psalm 3, uh, verse 5. Psalm 3, verse 5. This is David. He says, I laid me down and slept. I awaked, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people and, that have set themselves round about me, uh, ra- uh, against me round about. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people, Salah. And uh, there's, there's so many places in the Bible that you could find something like this. But I really liked what David said there. I laid me down and slept. I awaked, for the Lord sustained me. You know, and, and I, I realize that we don't all wake up immediately thankful that we woke up. But listen, folks, we can thank God for that grace. And, uh, and you know, the thing is, is look, folks, the, the instant that our lives are over, we're going to be supremely blessed in the presence of Christ. But every moment that we have is an opportunity, and, and we can't neglect that. You see, my opportunity to shine for Christ and glorify, the Bible said, another thing David said was, I, I will glorify your name among the heathen. That's for this time. We're not going to have those opportunities in heaven because everybody in heaven is a believer. <laughs> As in, in the presence of God Almighty and seeing him on his throne, you know, um, you don't have to have faith. And so uh, uh, the fact is, is every moment that we have on planet Earth is an opportunity. And the thing is, I know we talk about this all the time. Psalm 119 opens up lots of opportunities to, to to think about the fact that we have all kinds of things warring against spiritual life. Amen? I mean, if, li- if Christian life wasn't a struggle, there'd be no heroics about it. <laughs> it 
if we were all just automatically super spiritual people, you know what we would be? Robots. We would simply be automatons, walking through life, being, being the person that uh, we're supposed to be all the time. And yet, I, I, I know I'm not the only one that is constantly asking God for help to be what I'm supposed to be, to not be what I'm not supposed to be. Because if you're saved here tonight, you're a child of God. And we are supposed to walk in His ways. So, uh, but from creation, we could, we could go back to Genesis. There's so many places we could go about this thought. From creation to, to His sustaining life. And that applies to every living soul on the planet, no matter who they are in their relationship with God. You know, that, that applies to, to the people bowing down to idols and to uh, doing, you know, wicked practices. The Bible's filled with people who, you know, did all kinds of evil things to false gods, including Israel. Now, and the thing is, is every one of those people owed their very breath to God. And, and if we had time, we'd go to Daniel and his rebuke of uh, uh, Nebuchadnezzar's grandson. I think his name was Be- uh, Belshazzar. And uh, he, he took the, t- the, the uh, articles of the, of, the, of the Lord's house, the, the, the chalices and the cups and, and the, uh, the instruments, and, and used them to worship false gods. He praised the gods of everything from gold, silver, all the way down to wood and stone. He praised those gods with the, the instruments of worship from, from God, Jehovah's house. And uh, despite the fact that everything that God had done since Israel had been there, you know, with Nebuchadnezzar and all those great things that he had done, Bel- Belshazzar was so bold in his unbelief that uh, he, he took those chalices and those cups and, and drank dr- offerings to uh, those false gods. And, uh, and that's when God's hand appeared and wrote a message on a wall that nobody could read. The, the Bible is just so exciting. <laughs> And, and, and Daniel is the man. He has always been the man that can, able, that, get, that can get you a message that you need to hear from God. And that's a good message for us too. We need to be the people that can give an answer from God when people are in need. The, you, you and I need to be the people that come, people come to when they have a problem. Even if they don't like you, but they know you're someone who prays. Folks, that's an important testimony to have. We owe that to God, and we owe that to everyone around us to be God's people. Again, even if they don't like us, they should know that we fear God, and we're going to pray for them, and we're going to seek God's face, or maybe give an answer from them. That's what Daniel does here, or in this what we're talking about. He said, you know, the, the, the king offers them, hey, I'm going to make you a third ruler in the, uh, in the kingdom. I'm going to put a chain of gold around your neck. You'll be right next to the king. In all things, just tell me what that, what that note on that wall says. And Daniel says, you can keep your rewards to yourself, but I'll tell you what the message says. And it all boils down to, all, of all the ways in which God had made himself known to that kingdom of people, he said, but the very God whose very, your next breath is in his hands, you haven't praised him. You know, the, th- the thing is, folks, we have an obligation to God and to everybody that you are a part of their life, you have an obligation to God and to them to be like Christ to them. We have that obligation from heaven. And every moment that we wake up is an opportunity 
to shine for Christ. And just like we've been saying, like you guys know, that doesn't happen by accident. It happens by a choice. A choice that every believer makes that I want to be your man today. I want to be the person you want me to be. And that, folks, that has to happen every minute of every day that we surrender our lives to the Lord. So creation to sustaining life is God's, uh, God's life that he gives us. And it's all back to the thought of quicken me after thy loving kindness. That quicken, that means make alive. And so it's interesting to think that, that you know, I'm saved and I'm born again, but I still need constant help from God. You know, left to myself, you know, the very, outside of the fact that I'm born again, I still need a constant helping hand from the Lord. I cannot live for God, and I cannot bring glory to Him except He should give me life. And again, folks, if, if God just wanted to save us, He could have just, I mean, if He just wanted to bring us to heaven, He could have done that at the very instant we were saved. We were left here for a reason. We need to be about His business. Like the Lord Jesus, about the, I think it was the age of 12, that He was in Jerusalem, and, and His mother and His father, or Mary and Joseph, left. And Jesus wasn't with them. They came back. They were looking for three days. They finally found him in the temple. And he said, I ha why were you looking for me? I have to be about my father's business. And folks, I'm, I'm not an expert about this, but I believe that that's about the, about the age of 12. That's when you become your father's apprentice. You start the career life that you're supposed to be doing as a Jew. Jesus was about his father's business. And folks, every person in here, once you're saved and born again, Praise God that the gift of salvation is just that. It's a gift. But once you're saved, <laughs> I have a lifelong obligation to live for God. You know, when I was a little boy and, and, and they told me about Christ, they told me about heaven and hell, I didn't know what I was getting into. <laughs> I didn't know the huge step that, that, I, that I'm beginning to understand now as an adult. But, I, you know, it's, it's a good thing not to have known. It's a good thing to have things so simple and broken down for you that, hey, hell is your future, except you have a Savior, and the only one that can save you is Jesus Christ. It's a pretty simple equation. But once you're born again, we have that obligation to live not for ourselves, not for the world, not for what anybody else says that we need to be involved in, but for God and for His will for our lives. Nothing is more important than God's will for mine and your life. And I know I'm, we're not the only parents that have said to our kids, you've got to find out what God wants you to do for your life. You know, the, the vocation, it's important. Isaiah, it's important for you to find out if you need to be in, in HVAC, you know. That's important. It, it cannot get in the way. I, I know Isaiah knows this. But it cannot get in the way of whatever God's plan is. You know, I, I have said this before, that you have one verse devoted to the, in, in the entire New Testament to what Paul's job was. Anybody know what Paul's job was? He was a tent maker. One verse <laughs> in, the New, in the New Testament is devoted. Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, I think it is. And yet one verse is devoted to what he did for a living. And by the way, that was just a footnote to how he got to know Priscilla and Aquila and their great ministry for God. Listen, folks, minding your jobs, it's just a footnote. <laughs> it's not the main point. The main point is how does your life shine for Christ? It needs to be what consumes our thoughts. 
and what, where our entire will is, is, uh, is surrendered to Christ and His plan for our lives. And so uh, creation and our sustaining life, it comes from God. So uh, the second point is salvation. And again, there's no shortage of Bible verses <laughs> about salvation, but there's one in particular that I think illustrates how little you and I have to do with salvation. It's an, it's an Old Testament verse, Ezekiel chapter 16. If you'd like to turn there with me, I'd, I'd love for you to see this. Ezekiel 16. Ezekiel chapter 16, God says, uh, or it says in uh, Ezekiel 16, verse 1, Again the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, cause Jerusalem to know her abominations, and, the, and say, Thus saith the Lord God unto Jerusalem, Thy birth and thy nativity is of the land of Canaan. Thy father was an Amorite, and thy mother an Hittite. And as for thy nativity, now verse 4, this is so incredible. And as for thy nativity, in the day thou wast born, uh, thy navel was not cut, neither was thou washed in water to supple thee. Thou wast not salted at all, nor swaddled at all. None I pitied thee to do any of those these unto thee, to have compassion upon thee. But thou wast cast out in the open field to the loathing of thy person in the day that thou wast born. That sounds pretty dismal. <laughs> what God is doing is he is illustrating to them where they would be apart from God. Verse 6. And when I passed by thee and saw thee polluted in thine own blood, I said unto thee, when thou wast in thy blood, live. Yea, I said unto thee, when thou wast in thy blood, live. Folks, every single one of us, our life is entirely, 100%, because God passed by and had compassion upon us. I mean, you could put your name right here in this verse, and it would apply entirely to your spiritual life. You and I did nothing to save ourselves. You and I did nothing to convince God why He should save this sinner. God, in His compassion, He saw every single one of us in this room through the canal of time. He saw you and I by name and knew we needed to have a Savior. And folks, our spiritual life is just like that babe left to die in a field all by itself. And the Bible is pretty clear here what happened. The child was born and left there in the ground. Abandoned by its mother. No one else cared for this child. And it was going to die. It's not altogether dissimilar to how a child is born in a hospital in America and left to die on a shelf. You guys realize that happens? It's happening in America right now. Uh, failed abortions. You know, nurses are being fired for taking care of a child that was born alive. Folks, this is a heinous time in America. At the danger of being thought of, <laughs> there is a whole constituency in America that will fight with all of their power to make sure the child dies. They're a political party. May God have mercy on our souls that we do not fight against them. They represent 
evil in America on a large scale. You know, evil you know, in America, the guy that comes up to somebody with a gun and steals his wallet is better than the people running this country. At least he's a little bit more honest the way he gets my money. I appreciate all those amens. <laughs> Folks, it's a, it's a time, you know, and, and I, I don't know, somebody has a bumper sticker in this church that says, woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. And folks, it's not religious hyperbole to say it's happening in America today. May God have mercy upon us. Folks, I think the best chance America has for surviving the next day, month, year, ten years, is for Christians to live for God. I believe that with all my heart. The very best chance America has of surviving is if Christians will live for God. Um, this passage is, is, I think, very moving. And I, 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 I thank God for what it illustrates. Verse 6, when I, when I passed by thee and saw thee polluted in thine own blood, I said unto thee, when thou wast in thy blood, live. And I thank God that God is a God of compassion. That he met you and I where we were. I was seven years old. I don't know what the age groups of everybody, when, you, when it was that you got saved. But he met us where we were. And when we had no life in us, Christ came and gave us life. Our life came, came from God. And so the second point was salvation. It's, it's entirely God's work. And so uh, number three, even after salvation, our spiritual life, comes from God. Uh, John chapter 15, if you'd like to turn there. John 15, in verse 1. The Lord Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a, if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. And the passage goes on, and, and it's, it's, a very, it's a wonderful passage. But the Lord Jesus uses another illustration here of our spiritual life, our, our, our vitality. It comes from God. <laughs> it comes directly from you and I cultivating our relationship with God. You know, and, and, and again, at the danger of beating a dead horse, you know, we have so many things that pull on our attention. You wake up and they're there all day long. <laughs> all, they're surrounding us. This is, this is the, uh, the, the generation where you can be plugged in to all kinds of entertainment all day long without intermission. And folks, listen, the, the, the potential for ongoing distraction has never been greater in all of human history. 
And I, I see people at work, cell phones are not allowed in the building where I work. You know how I see a lot of people walking around in the building? Not all, but a lot of people. I see them walking around inside the building, just like they do outside the building, like they have a cell phone in their hands. Like they don't know how to walk around except for like this. <laughs> they won't meet your eyes. They don't say hi. You know, and they, they walk around. I mean, instead of like this, they're like this. <laughs> and listen, it's the same thing is true for Christians. If you are constantly plugged in to the world and to sources of entertainment and distraction and social media, listen folks, it's not a stretch to say you're probably not walking closely with God. At least not at that moment. If you're constantly inputting and, so, and socializing and things like that, and I realize, hey, if you have Christian friends on social media, that's, that's probably good. But listen, we need to be constantly interacting with the Lord and praying for people around us and involved in our own walk with God. And you can't be constantly interacting with the world and constantly interacting with God. The two are oil and water. The Lord says, you know, uh, oh, the verse came in and went out. <laughs> uh, you can't love the world. You cannot love, love the world and love God. You cannot serve God and mammon. That's what I was thinking of. You can't serve God and mammon. You can't be integrated with the world and integrated with the relationship with God. And so it's important upon, uh, to, to us to make sure that we're walking with God. Brother Patrick? Right. It's, it's related to the Lord's Supper when they were, um, they had a feast and they, they called it the Lord's Supper. And he said, many are sickly among you and some are even dead. <laughs> yeah, but it's a, it's a very good application though. I mean, that's, there's plenty of Christians that are, that are on life support, you know. <laughs> They're just barely kicking it, uh, uh, kicking around and uh, so... So, first of all, it was creation and sustaining life. God is completely uh, the source of that. Salvation, God is obviously the source of that. And the ongoing spiritual life that we have, or our spiritual vitality, it comes directly through our relationship with Christ. And the illustration Jesus uses is if you're a vine and you're broken off, or if you're a, a branch and you're broken off from the vine, there's only one thing that can happen. Wither and die. That's it. <laughs> And again, I, I don't think this is saying that the, uh, a person who's saved can lose their salvation. It's saying that your spiritual life will be nothing. I think there's plenty of dry, lifeless Christians, born-again people. They're, you know, and, and whatever the, the, the story, you know, if, if, you know I, I was saved as a boy and not raised in church. Uh, my, my sister also was saved uh, young, and neither one of us were raised in church, and I I, let me just tell, tell you, I think that both she and I have struggled, you know, as you know, becoming young adults and then growing as adults. You know, it, it took the Lord getting our attention and drawing us to him. And I, I thank God that, you know, one day uh, uh, we called, we talked, and, and we found out both of us were saved. <laughs> and that's a blessing. And she and I are very close. We hated each other before that moment. <laughs> Wouldn't have anything to do with each other. <laughs> but that moment drew us together. Thank God for that. And so our, our spiritual life, our vitality comes directly through our relationship with Christ in us. And, and Jesus said, abide in me and I in you. See, I, Jesus didn't just save us. And I, I'm sure you guys know this. He didn't just save me. He came and lived within. 
The Bible says, ye are the temple of the Lord. And folks, when we receive Christ, we become a living, breathing temple where God lives on the inside. Again, that, that also should inform us what our lives should be like. Should God come and live in the ins- on the inside and then me still live like God doesn't matter? Folks, very clearly, you and I, our place in every possible conceivable way you can look at it, our place is to live for God. Our place is for God to live in us and live through us and to ask God for help every day to get me out of the way that I do not hinder what he wants to do in my life. And you and I have zero power to accomplish the will of God. All we can do, and this is what God commands us to do, is to surrender our lives to him. Surrender it. This life is yours. You bought me. The Bible says you were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your bodies, in your life. It's our place. God has has earned and, and deserves our total devotion to him. In John, 6, chapter, uh, John chapter 6, verse 63, the Lord Jesus, uh, he was speaking to, he had multitudes following him, and the Lord did this on more than one occasion where he turned around and told them something very difficult for them to hear. <laughs> In this case, it was people who had seen miracles of the bread, and they wanted more. They wanted more of that. And so the Lord Jesus told him at one point, except ye eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. And even his disciples would say, boy, this is a hard saying. <laughs> Lord Jesus would uh, speak on to his disciples. Verse 62, let's start there. What, and if you shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before, it is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Our life comes from Jesus' words being in my life, as in me reading them, us sharing them together, and me meditating on them, and his life and his word in me. My spiritual life, I'm not talking about my salvation, I'm saying my spiritual life will be by letting Christ's words (laughs) change me. Now, I think there's a lot of people, and I, I, you guys forgive me, I repeat some of the same things a lot, but listen, there's a lot of Christians that compartmentalize their lives. There's God and church and Christian life and things like that, and there's everything else. Here's the way that we need to handle that. You cut off everything else. <laughs> and you dwell with God. You walk with God. You know, one of the most amazing things in the Bible is Enoch. The Bible says he lived, I think it was 300 years, I could be wrong. Pastor, do you know Enoch? Okay, well, he, he, he lived like around 300, well, I don't know what it was, but he lived a certain amount of time, and then he was not, because God took him. <laughs> we know very little about Enoch. You have some, some words of his in the book of Jude, fiery words about, about the times. <laughs> but what we know about Enoch as he walked with God. And whatever, we, don't, we know almost nothing about the dynamic other than his life was pleasing to God, and God took him. 
Folks, the, 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 the scale, the, 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 the dynamic of what that means to walk with God so closely that God just, just took it. Wouldn't you like God to be so pleased with you that God says, I want you home with me right now? <laughs> Robbie? Thank you. Thank you. So it was 300 years he begat children. That's what it was, wasn't it? Okay. I got most of that wrong. <laughs> okay, praise the Lord. So he, he, he had those years. And that's when guys were living way up there. Uh, and, uh, and he lived a, a, short, a short amount of time comparatively, and God took him. And folks, uh, it, just, it just can't be said what that means. And I think that so many of us are so used to living anemic Christian lives, anemic spiritual lives, that a lot of people cannot see the value in putting God first, letting him define what my life should be. There are so people, their, their minds are so ingrained in how to succeed and live the quote-unquote American dream. And folks, when we get to heaven, the revelation of how extraordinarily worthless living for the here and now was, I think it will probably break most of our hearts. <laughs> Because it's hard to escape. I, listen, I'm not preaching at you. <laughs> I'm preaching at all of us. It's hard to escape the pull of the world on our hearts. Yet we need to preach to ourselves, my life belongs to God. It doesn't belong to me. God is worthy of me living for him. The world around me needs Christ's life in me out to them the world around me needs that and folks we will be extraordinarily selfish beyond any capacity to measure if we keep the most precious thing that's on planet earth today to ourselves there are plenty of christians who are thinking that this inside these church walls is our spiritual life folks this is just a place for us to praise god and to worship, and to learn, and to fellowship. Our service to God mainly is outside these doors, outside these walls. And God means for you and I to go to them. How many people disdain church, want nothing to do with it, because they have a bad taste in their mouth about what it means? And folks, how many... How much bad church is there in America to give people bad taste in their mouth? It's not their fault that they have a bad taste in their mouth about religious experience. Most of it in America is bad. Any religious experience without God and Christ at the center of it is empty religion and evil. Any religious life, any religious experience without Christ is vanity, emptiness, vexation. It's important for you and I to leave this place and bring Christ to them. God does not command the lost person to go to church. He commands the church to go to the lost person. Bring them the truth. 
That's my and your responsibility. It's not just the preacher's job. We don't pay him to evangelize the entire world. That's not why he's getting a paycheck. <laughs> he's getting a paycheck to, to spend days and hours every day to serve the church. But it's all of our responsibility to witness for Christ and bring them in. How many parables did the Lord Jesus say where he says, go out into the highways and cages and what? Compel them to come in. Folks, there are so many Christians that can get fired up about all kinds of things. But to say Jesus out loud will drive them into timidity. Listen, folks, the world needs Christ. The world needs what only Jesus can give them. I am scared to death someday of being before the Lord's throne on the sidelines as the lost are judged. I am scared to death of somebody that I knew coming up to the Lord and the, and the judgment begins to roll forth. I don't know exactly what's going to be said, but I'm afraid of the judgment beginning to come forth. Now think about this judgment. A soul being told, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I never knew you. And there's only one fate possible for them. It's hell. And then the lake of fire for all of eternity. And I am frightened to death, and I mean this. It's a frightening prospect that before God's throne, they will begin to list the Christians in their lives that had opportunity to tell them about Christ. I'm frightened to death to hear my name. Why didn't he tell me? He knew what was at stake. He knew that what this would mean. He knew I would face your throne. Why didn't he tell me? You know, the Bible doesn't say that they won't be allowed to speak. It does say that, that uh, in one of the parables that they were speechless. But my point is, is that there may be place for me to be condemned. Not, not for eternity, not for my sins, but just that I did not tell someone about Christ. Folks, we can't afford to minimize our, our responsibility as Christians. It's a joy and it's a privilege to be saved. And it's a wonder to be a Christian. But folks, too many of us are guilty of keeping this to ourselves. We have a responsibility that we need to live up to. And so uh, the last, last thing I guess I'll share, time is pretty much hope, is the vitality of our spiritual life is from God in our walk. In our daily walk with God. Our, spirit, our spiritual vitality comes through our relationship with Christ. So you're, thank God you're saved and you're born again and nothing can change that once you're saved. But your daily spiritual life comes through your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is possible as a Christian to be apart from your Lord. Not apart as in he'll always be my Savior, but to be separated from him in my walk and to be a dry dry sapling or whatever it is to be brittle cold 
empty of spiritual life. And folks, uh, we need to have that spiritual life. And the thing is, is you and I, we can't give ourselves a pep rally in the morning and say, go, 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 be spiritual today. It comes directly from the Lord Jesus into our life. I'm thankful that, uh, that the prophets were told, or Jeremiah and others, I believe, that, uh, that God said he'd put his words in his mouth. And he'd give, he'd give the power to speak. And Jeremiah, at one point, the, the, the road was hard for Jeremiah. And there were times where it was difficult. And he said, I'm not ever going to speak in God's name anymore. I'm paraphrasing. And he said, but it, God's word was a fire in my heart. And I couldn't stop speaking. Listen, folks. If you and I want to be faithful to what God has called us to do, and we say, Lord, help me in whatever way you want to work in my life, help me to be faithful. Let people see Christ in me. Put your words in my mouth. Give me power to speak. Folks, I can guarantee I can guarantee 100% God will answer that prayer. And again, I have to say, part of what motivates me is I don't want someone to be able to say, and, I, and folks, I know, I know there will be people, they'll be able to say, Brett Garner didn't tell me what he should have. They'll be able to tell me that. But I can, I can ask God to help me from here on, Brother Albert. Well, yeah, absolutely. It's it's both. Mm-hmm. Well, the main the listen. The main reason why I mentioned a lot of the things that I did tonight is because listen, I lived a lot of my adult life living for me. Living for Christ wasn't on my mind. 
You know, it wasn't part of my goal or desire that Christ be glorified in my life. I live my life for me. I think there's plenty of Christians that do that. And uh, there's guys that came, you know, that they were, they, we were on the ship together. And I have so many regrets from being a selfish jerk. <laughs> I mean, there's, there, I remember there's this, there's this guy I worked for on the ship, and, and he told me to do something. I, I said something really, you know, rude. And, and you know, just ta- I talked back to him. You know, and I, I think what a, what a shameful witness that is. You know, every minute of every day counts. I guess that's what I'm saying, Albie. (laughs) Oh, brother. I was a jerk, Brother Albie. Well, we, we all have learning to do at, at every level, from a babe in Christ to, you know. threatened to be written up like so many times you know and sometimes it was because I overslept because you guys know what a problem I have with being timely Um, yeah amen praise the Lord well I'm not saying that that yeah I'm not yeah I'm not saying we're gonna be judged for our sins I'm saying that if somebody could appear before God's throne and saying he could have told me how I could have avoided this place, this judgment. Huh? <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> okay, well, we're going to have to stop here. <laughs> well, now listen, brother. I, I, don't, I don't know what you think I'm trying to tell you you have to be. A, what I'm saying is we need to represent God to those around us. And if we are consumed with just doing what I want, then your life's being wasted. There's, there's no question about that. Now, some of the things you were talking about, you know, they knew you were a Christian. But what if the only thing they knew about me was I was a NASCAR fan? What if that's all they knew? What if they knew I loved Seinfeld? What if they knew I did? But they don't know anything about my relationship with Christ. That's my point. Right, but that's my point. You need to live it. (laughs) Patrick, real quick. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yep. 
We have a, we, we, it's, it's part of our responsibility to reach the world. Let's uh, close with prayer. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness, and thank you for this time we've had together. Thank you for, Lord, having a plan and calling us to be a part of it. Lord, uh, please help us, Lord, to seek your face about, uh, about how we can serve you, how we can be your people and represent you to the world around us. Bless us uh, as we all go home, and uh, please bless all the needs that were mentioned tonight, all the needs that were not mentioned uh, that each one of us brought in with us. And uh, please bring us home safely and bring us back at the next time. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all.